Hello. We want to thank you for joining our Living Messiah family by downloading this podcast. We hope it blesses you and enriches your life. We also want to encourage you, uh, if you can, and if your heart is so moved, to support this ministry by going on our website, livingmessiah.com, and donating to help us to put these podcasts in every nation, every place, so we can bring these messages to change lives, to help people grow in the Word of God. Once again, thank you so much for being part of our family. Shalom. Father, we thank you for the reading of your word. Open our eyes and our ears as we sit at your feet to learn, to understand, pour your spirit out upon us. Father, help us to gain wisdom and knowledge and understanding, counsel and strength from your words today as your spirit moves in our midst, as you prepare your people to be a holy set-apart nation and people unto yourself. We thank you, Father, for allowing us to see how we're to set ourselves apart and what sign it is that is setting us apart. We glorify you and praise you. In your son, Yeshua's name, amen. All right, Exodus. The main focus today, though, is on the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. And so that's where I've been led to talk about. But of course, as always, you're welcome to raise your hand if you have other, because you've read the Torah portions. You guys have read this at some point or another, and you've gained some knowledge and wisdom. And so we like to grow with it and, and, and have that spread so we can all learn. So raise your hand and, and make known whatever the Spirit is prompting you to share and speak as we move forward. So we're going to start in Exodus 31, verse 2. It says, I have called by name Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur of the tribe of Judah. Interesting note that Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, according to 1 Chronicles 2, 18-20, he belonged to the family of Caleb, who along with Joshua was exempted from the decree that the generation of Egypt must die in the wilderness. So I'll read to you 1 Chronicles 2. Caleb, the son of Hezron, fathered children by his wife Azubah and by Yarioth, and these were her sons, Yeshur, Shuchbab, and Ardon. When Azubah died, Caleb married Ephrath, who bore him Hur. Hur fathered Uri, and Uri fathered Bezalel, the guy that hammers out the menorah, right? So now you have a little bit of background on who he is. He's a descendant of the non-Israelite. He's a descendant of the man who uh, had a heart to follow all of God. He's a descendant of someone who, who uh, without any blood heritage, he has, he's circumcised in heart and in flesh, and he's decided to follow this God because he believes he's supreme over all and he wants to completely devote his life and everything about himself to his kingdom and whatever he says, like his father, grandfather, Caleb. And of course, Caleb is a Kenizzite, as you can see in Numbers 32, 12. All right. So that's interesting. He's choosing this man. Uh, to pour his spirit out on. And I'm going to ask you, 
How many of you have no clue whether you have Hebrew blood or not? And yet, the Spirit has been poured on you to open your eyes and your ears to the wonderful things and have called you to circumcise yourself and yoke yourself with this kingdom. Hmm. Very interesting. Verse, hallelujah. Verse 12. And Yahweh spoke to Moshe saying, and to you, I am going to come back to a couple of these verses at the end uh, because we're going to talk about the Spirit uh, later. So he says, speak to the children of Israel and say, my Shabbats, my Sabbaths, Notice it's a plural word. You are to guard by all means, for it is a sign between me and you throughout your generations to know that I, Yahuwah, am setting you apart. Eight Shabbats, the seventh day, the two on unleavened bread, Shavuot, Yom Teruah, Yom Kippur, the two on Sukkot. So we've got eight Shabbats. Not just the seventh day Shabbat is he talking about, because it's a plural word in Hebrew, it's a plural word in Greek, it's talking about all of the Shabbats. They are the sign. Yes. If it's not green, I might make sure. Uh, yeah, you'll have to go. Here's another one coming. You'll have to, he'll need to have a pen in his hand so he can turn it or mute it on and off. Yes. Yeah. This uh, verse 12, uh, 13, tell the people of Israel, you are to observe my Shabbats, for this is a sign between me and you. And this particular version says throughout all your generations. So when someone might say, well, we don't have to do this anymore. Uh, are we still having generations? Do you have children? Do you have children? Children? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And and part of what you said is they don't have to. You know, yeah, they, you know, they can choose not to. They, they yeah. can choose. But but you know the the thing is, if you want to be a part of this God, who is guarding and protecting His people and giving the blessings that He promises, and if you want to be a part of the promises and the covenants and the blessings, then you'll want to be. Uh, uh, having this sign upon you. And by the way, the word sign is the Hebrew word ot, which is the same word that's used for the things that are up in the heavens. There are signs as well. So it's this word ot. Um, the word guard is shamar. We've talked about that many times. And uh, in the ISR setting apart uh, is you shall be holy. You be, uh, be, you'll become holy. So there's two signs. There's a sign that he instituted the seventh day of the week, and there's another sign that something else, some other entity instituted that two-thirds of the world observe. The first day of the week. My question is, which sign do you want upon yourself, and what author do you want presiding over your life that has authored each of those signs? <laughs> Someone had their hand up? Okay, I thought you were going over there to give somebody. So which sign sets you apart? Does the sign of the first day that was instituted by some other, something other than Yodevave, or is it the sign that he 
Because he says, I am holy, and I am the one that sanctifies you and sets you apart because it's coming from me. Because the other signs that aren't coming from him are not going to make you holy. So you should wonder and ask yourself, what does that sign look like and what does that sign do to people? Yes. Um, uh, Exodus 20, uh, verse 8, he gives the Ten Commandments. And uh, it says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Yes. And then um, when I, I'm reading the ESV, and it says, you are to speak to the people of Israel and say, above all, you shall keep my Sabbath. Um, it's interesting that he's already gave the, the children of Israel the commandments. And so in the original um, given of the commandments, remember it was used. And now he's telling them again. How and he'll do it, it again. And it happens again. And so, you know, the, the, the 10 gets repeated again in Deuteronomy chapter 5. Uh, and he reiterates the whole, I mean, the whole book of Deuteronomy is, you know, it's like the words again. It's, he's reiterating all of what he said. Uh, are the zitziot are honest because to remember. So all of, I, I like hearing it daily. I like proclaiming it daily because we need these kinds of things because we can see we're going to get into here in a little bit later how, it, how this gets off base. Yes. 31, 12 through 17 speaks of the Sabbath. Then we had the golden calf. And then we go into 35, 1 through 3 speaks of the Sabbath. He purposely bookends the golden calf going our own way with the Sabbath. So he, if we don't rest in him, yes. we tend to go our own way. And to make that calf is anything other than him. Yes. Thus he wants us to have the Sabbath to meet with him and then the Sabbath to meet with him. He bookends it. Amen. Amen. Good word. So who is setting you apart? What sign do you want to be a part of? So he says, my Sabbath you are to shamar, guard, observe, keep, give heed to. The Greek word is philoso. To guard a person or thing that he may remain safe. And I can tell you that the other sign that is from some other entity has no way to keep you safe. Has no way to guard and protect your safety. No way whatsoever. No more than the, the false gods and the other Elohims were able to guard the nations from disaster when the Most High brought disaster to them. Could not guard them. But the nation of Israel who kept his Shabbats, when they were doing right, he guarded them and protected them and kept all the other nations and armies not only at bay, but defeated them if they tried to rise up against them. It says, uh, to be despoiled, equivalent to protecting. Are you saying that by guarding, it's protecting me? Absolutely. We'll keep it with the result that will have life eternal to care for, to take care, not to violate it. Exodus 15, 26 says, and he said, if you diligently obey my voice, your Elohim, and do what is right in his eyes and not what's right in Constantine's eyes, and shall listen to his commands and shall guard all his Torah, and shall bring on you, he shall bring none of you, none on, of the diseases I brought on the, on the Egyptians upon you. In Deuteronomy 7, 9, and you shall know that Yahweh your Elohim, he is Elohim, the trustworthy El guarding covenant, and kindness for a thousand generations. Sounds to me like he does guard you. 
It sounds to me like he does protect the people that are adhering to his signs. I want that kind of protection. I, I want that kind of guarding. I, I, can't do, I can't do that. I can't ensure those things to even myself. But I know who can. And I want to be under his wing. For it is a sign, an oath, to know that I... Here's the purpose of the, the sign. The sign's purpose is to know that he sets you apart. What does the sign from the other entities do for you? It brings you away from God and brings you to destruction and death. Separation from him for eternity. That's where the other signs bring to you. Amen. It surely isn't setting you apart. <laughs> Maybe setting you apart for destruction. It is the token, the ensign, the standard, the miracle, the miraculous sign, the proof, the warning. On the pedestrian end of the scale, it includes what amounts to a signboard, a standard. How many of you read the standard he talks about? I will set up a standard. It also includes such important concepts as the rainbow. Oat first occurs in Genesis 1.14 where it refers to the luminary serving as signs to distinguish to set apart the seasons. The Greek word is hagiazo, to separate from things profane and dedicated to God. So God's signs are, des are designed to separate you from the wickedness, from the profane things, from the things that are not holy. What does the profane signs do for you? It brings you more into the profane and the wicked and the unholy. It sucks you into the pit. Here's what's awesome. It's to consecrate and so render inviolable of his selection of men for hmm, the sign of the Sabbath is a selection of men for priesthood. Sounds to me like you guys are gearing up for the priesthood the way you keep keeping these signs of the Most High. Hmm. Ezekiel 20, 12 says, And I also gave them my Shabbats, to be a sign between me and them. To know that I am Yahweh who sets them apart to sanctify you. Our master says in John 17, 17, Master, he says, Most High, sanctify them in the truth. Your word is the truth. So why is he sanctifying you? It's to prepare you. To prepare you. Which is what the Holy Spirit's going to do. To prepare you. So which sign prepares you? And if one prepares you for the arrival of the Creator, what does the other sign prepare you for? The arrival of what? The Antichrist? Ooh-wee. We, it really comes down to that simple. There's two signs from two different distinct individuals, entities. And one's setting you for the arrival of one, and one's setting you up for the arrival of the other. Man. Verse 14, everyone who profanes it. Here's a death sentence. We talk about the death sentences. This is the death sentences that the master, when he died, he took away death. Death was nailed to the cross because I guarantee you, your ancestors profaned it. Profusely profaned it. 
It means to profane, defile, pollute, desecrate. Ouch. To free from lawful obligations. Is that what they're... Oh, we don't have to do that anymore. We've been set free from it. It's polluting. Desecrating. Profaning. The root is used to mark the act of doing violence to the Torah. Imagine that. You're considered doing violence to God's Torah. The Levitical laws had one aim, to safeguard the priests against defilement in character, body, or ritual. You're being prepared. Kingdom of priests, we keep talking about it. We talked about the Old and the New Testament. You're a kingdom of priests. You're being prepared, being set up. If we walk in those standards. Hallelujah. What a mighty priesthood we have here. Six days you're going to work. On the seventh day, it is a Shabbat of Shabbaton. Now, you've heard me talk about this before. I saw this a couple of years ago. It was very interesting. So the word Shabbaton only appears on all the things that have seven associated with it. Okay? So here's a couple of instances. Leviticus 16.31. It is to be a Shabbat of solemn rest to you. What's it referring to? Yom Kippur, it, appear, it occurs in what month? Speak to the sons of Israel in the seventh month, on the first of the month, you shall have a Shabbaton. Solemn is Shabbaton in, in 31. 23:39. on the 15th day of the seventh month, when you gather in the fruit of the land, observe the festival for, of Yahuwah for seven days. On the first is a Shabbaton, and on the last is a Shabbaton. These are associated with the seventh month. It is seven. Just like the Sabbath is a Shabbaton, it's number seven. But on the seventh year, number seven again, the land shall have a Shabbaton. Number seven. And by the way, um, the 14th day of the month is two sevens. Uh, the Shavuot is seven, seven, or yeah, seven sevens combined together to culminate. So, I mean, they're all wrapped around sevens, but it's very interesting that how all of this is set on this number of seven. I wonder why the enemy wanted to be number one. <laughs> Sounds like he, I think he wanted to do that in heaven, didn't he? He wanted to be number one there too? Yeah. By the way, the Greek word for this word, Shabbaton, only appears in these places too. So the Greek is giving the same testimony that it's on the days that are associated with seven. Very interesting. It is a sign between me and the sons of Israel until Christ comes back. Until he, until he comes uh, as a baby and is born, and when he dies on the tree, then it ends. That's not what it says? Paul and I have fun with this word, leolam, forever. So you might as well say, to infinity and beyond. And when he had ended speaking with him on Mount Sinai, he gave Moshe two tablets of the witness. By the way, well, we'll get to that here in a second. 
Two Tablets of the Witness, written by the Etzba. The word is used for the priestly activity of sprinkling the blood or oil. In addition, fingers referred to work artfully produced. Especially in regard to Elohim, they refer to the handiwork of his creative power, the heavens, the plagues, the Torah on the stone tablets. Can you imagine that the, the Torah being written on the tablets is equated to all of this work of creation of the heavens, the plagues, all this. This is God's finger that man cannot explain. Just can't explain it. By the way, as we're learning, when he wrote that on the tablets, this is the first alphabet created. I would say that was an artfully produced work. Yes. I was just thinking about uh, the writing on the wall with Bel uh, Belshazzar. Yes. Yep. Very good. So he says, Isaiah 43.10, You are my witnesses. Same word declares Yahuwah. By the way, the word for witness is this martis. The Greek word martis is the root, and it appears both in Isaiah 43.10. Let me rephrase it. It appears both here in, in verse 18 of witness. It's, it's the root is martis. It appears in Isaiah 43.10. It appears in 2 Timothy 1.8. Therefore, do not be ashamed of the martis, the testimony of our master. All are this witnesses. So you are the witness because the witness is in you. Yes. So where were you talking about uh, sevens? Is that yes, like uh, verse was, 12? Yeah, it was uh, verse 15. Or, yes, verse 15. Six days work is done. Seventh day is a Sabbath of Shabbaton. Okay, so in 13 it says, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, Verily, at uh, my Sabbaths shall you keep, for it is a sign, oat, between me and you throughout the generations. And then I, I have a note here that in Genesis 4.15 it says, And Yehovah said unto him, Therefore whosoever slayeth Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And Yehovah shall set a mark, oat, Ooh. Uh, upon Cain. There's the seven, sevenfold. I don't know what that means exactly, but it's a pattern there. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. A, a sign set upon him that's associated with sevenfold. Very interesting. Yes. So getting back to the sign, is sign also the same thing as sealed? And if that's the case, if I am to understand coming out of the doctrines of men, and the rapture, would it be more accurate to say that we would be hidden rather than snatched away if the sign is a form of hiding us and protecting us? Yeah, and it's interesting because, you know, you, you've seen these. John was telling me one time how the, the Hollywood sets up these, these movies and situations. I think Ward re, re, reaffirmed it to me as well that you'll see in these uh, one one scene that I remember seeing where the people are up on a building and they've got the sign up here, take us, take us, and the craft is coming down. And uh, 
But we know that God's not removing uh, the righteous from this earth. The righteous are staying here. It's the wicked that gets taken off. The wicked gets removed from the earth. The righteous stays here. And why do we say that? In, in the flood, who remains on the earth? At Sodom and Gomorrah, who remained on the earth? So in both those incidences, the wicked were killed and destroyed and taken off of the earth. The righteous stayed on the earth. Because God created this for his set-apart people, and we're going to reign on the earth with the set-apart king when he re returns. So that's what I see. Yes. Uh, sir, I just wanted to say that... Um, the socialization and indoctrination in this country is so deep and not only this country but all over the world yes. um, it's so like important to break free from that socialization and indoctrination because that's what separates us from the most high Amen. you know and Amen. it goes deep so deep from the movies that we've been used to watching yep. from um, you know from uh, <sighs> they want people to see a certain thing and they want them to buy into it because yeah. they have no idea what God's Word says you know, so we have been taught by the Most High, and we, we can distinguish that stuff and boot it out and say, uh-uh, ain't coming in this door. Yeah, because it's important to get understanding, uh, understanding. Amen. Like, you know, um, like, understanding about, like, you know, the scriptures, you know, and, and the socialization and, and, and indoctrination yep. separates us from having an understanding and, and, and being connected because some of the indoctrination is, like, it's opposed, it's in opposition to the Most High. So that's what keeps us from our having a relation or Him answering our prayers. Amen. It keeps us separated from Him. Yes, indeed. Amen. Yes. Uh, I want to go back to the word witness because sometimes we take words that we use every day and <laughs> we, we kind of get lost in the weeds of what does it mean to be a witness one of the, uh, the Hebrew is the ed, and then it's the primitive root is the ud. And you could say that it is a recording of, or it is to duplicate and to repeat. <laughs> so, Imagine that. So if we're going to duplicate and repeat, does that mean that we need to watch, observe, imitate, if we say that we're going to walk in the master's footsteps, does it require us to pay attention to the footsteps of the master so that we can repeat the walk? And if we repeat the walk, then are we witnesses? So if we're observing the first day, if we're observing all these other things, like the young man said here, then whose witness do we become? Where is this? And if we overcome the enemy, according to Revelation, by the word of our testimony, what testimony do we have That's to right. give? That's right. Yep. Amen. And we know that um, our master was a faithful witness. I mean, he said what he came to do. He did only what the Father said, only spoke what the Father spoke. And yet, it says in the New Testament that we are to walk as he walked. So... That's being a witness. That's being, as you said, a carbon copy, which is what the apostles were doing. They were carbon copies of our master walking as he walked. And so, yeah, that's what we're to do. And when the people saw that Moshe was so long coming down from the mountain, 
Boy, they really get, got messed up, didn't they? The test of faith. The test of faith. All the people tore off their gold rings, which were in their ears, brought them to Aaron. He said, this is, he took it from their hand, fashioned it with a graving tool, made it into a molten calf, and said, here is your Elohim, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. It's a different sign. Let me tell you why. Not only is it in an image, they're, they're attempting to worship him through something that they have no idea whether he looks like that or it's anything like him or whether he wants it or not. And they set up a separate festival other than his festivals. And how do we know that? Because this incident happened between Shavuot and Yom Teruah. How do we know that? Because when he's coming down with the second set, that's Yom Kippur. They're getting the first set at Shavuot. So this is happening between the two. Are there any of God's festivals between those? No. But Aaron says they set up a festival to him. This is what the northern kingdom did. They, they, they had images that they worshipped to, trying to worship him. And they set up separate festivals, separate signs. And this is what happened in 322. This is what happened in Spain. It happened in so many places where the enemy wants to replace the signs that God gave and bring about his own signs so that we follow the signs of destruction instead of the signs of life. Amen. Yes. I have a question. Um, it says, uh, he, uh, it says, Arise, make us mighty ones who will go before us. Um, and it says that Moshe, they don't know what happened to Moshe. Is it possible that, and they asked Aaron to make, um, what does it say? Yeah, they, Aaron, they, yeah. They, they are supposedly pushing Aaron into this. So, I mean, is it possible that they believe that um, Moshe is the one that, um, I don't know, conjured uh, the pillar of smoke in, in the fire? So they're asking, now that Moshe is gone, now they're coming to him to, to make something to lead him, continue to lead him in the wilderness? So there's a couple of commentaries that say, because Moses told them, I'm going to be up there for 40 days, uh, uh, or, or a number, let's say, uh, I'm going to be up there for this number of days. And when the number of days had come and he hadn't returned, they're, getting, they're going crazy. They're, they think that he's dead, he's no longer there. They think that God has taken him off and now they've moved on to the promised land and left them sitting there. Again, it's about faith. It's about really would he, would he, would he redeem you from slavery? In other words, let's, let's put it in our own shoes. Would, would God send his son to die for you, to redeem you from the death sentence against you, only to abandon you? No. We all believe that that's everlasting, that it's for us. So I think what's happening today, just like the, the first Adam fell and the second Adam came and he fulfilled all of the Torah, as mentioned earlier. So here a, a generation is being raised today that's going to be faithful, that's going to be true, which is contrasting what's happened before. That's what I see happening. Yes. <clears throat> so, but they're asking Aaron to, to, to build his calf. Yeah. So is it like, are they, do they think that he's 
the one that's like bringing forth the cloud and the, uh, they, the fire. yeah they they want him to take Moses's place yeah they're wanting him to be the new hey buddy you're the new Moshe okay I was just thinking maybe this is you know the current day in Christendom um, they want to bring forth pastors to teach them you know the, these different ways of the word you know instead of just clinging on to the word of god where it, it actually instructs you how to deliver. and here's the difference who has been anointed and set apart and declared by god to do this it's only moses god hasn't appointed anybody else and that's that's a big key only one has been when they see joshua get it then they realize okay now we've we've finally got a a number two here because he's been he's been commissioned by the most high and now they can believe in in joshua yes uh, I was just thinking of Hebrews 8, 5, where it says that Moses was warned by God when he's about to erect the tabernacle. For see, he says that you make all things according to the pattern which was shown you on the mountain. Yeah. And one of the things that stands out as you read through all this is that Yahuwah wanted things done exactly the way he said. And I'm just thinking of what you're saying. There's a first day, there's a seventh day. And people say, oh, he knows my heart. <laughs> that should scare the living daylights out of you if you're not keeping the seventh day. We're to keep our eyes fixed on Yeshua, the author and perfecter of the faith. And as we do that, we know that he obeyed his father perfectly. And that is the pattern that's set before us if we're building this temple or this temple here is that we have to do things his way, right? Yep. Amen. Hold the mic. Hold the mic. So what does the scripture tell us about our heart? Oh, yeah, you shouldn't probably trust it too much. Yeah. <laughs> trust the word of God. Yeah, yeah, the heart is wicked to the core. Yeah, we shouldn't be trusting the heart. Trust the Almighty, yes. Ward, go ahead. Uh, as was brought up, of course, poor Aaron was really put between a rock and a hard place. <laughs> All right, he's trying to stay alive, basically. So he's got on the one side the people trying to get him, if he if they don't do, you know what they want. If he doesn't do it, on the other on the other side he's got Yahweh. <laughs> he knows if he does certain things, he's going to be in deep deep. And trouble. he's seen the power. He's seen the authority. He's seen what, what who. I mean, it's so amazing that he would listen. It's it's just a, a very so, big. Yeah. So I just want to point out two things. When they left Egypt, the Egyptians took all kinds of gold out of Egypt. Okay, all kinds of stuff. Big, big pieces, big statues, big, all kinds of big pieces of gold, okay? So just some things to think about later. Why did Aaron, in this action he did, which I believe was to walk a very fine line, why did he only collect earrings from the women? Why did he do that? Because he could have gotten some big chunks of gold. Why in the world? collect this mass of little gold rings when he could have collected a smaller amount of objects that were bigger. And that would have been the logical thing to do. Okay, there's that. The thing about the people out of Egypt were used to the concept of making idols for the purpose of bringing the God to them, where it was down at their level where they could negotiate it. Like Babylon. And here they were alone in the valley, and the God was up there on the mountain with you know, and they wanted to, they thought, oh, we'll, we'll build this thing, and which will be to Yahweh, 
but that will bring him down to us, okay? Which, of course, Yahweh said, don't try to do that because you're not going to put me in a box. You're gonna, not going to make me do anything. Okay. So <laughs> the other thing to look at is Hebrew is an action language, and English is not good at translating some of this stuff. So I'm not going to go into a long thing about this. I'm just going to tell you uh, as homework, go look at the Hebrew word for golden calf. Okay, just look at it in Hebrew. What is the definition? What is the action? And how does that connect to why, a why Aaron was co collecting those rings? Okay, and then how does that fit with when Aaron later said, well, this thing has just popped out of the fire. Okay, you're not going to pop a golden calf out of fire. That's not how you make that kind of an option. Okay, so... And I'll just, I'll just leave it at that. But I mean, that, that whole thing is very interesting. Yeah. Thank you, Ward. So yes, there's a lot to learn. Okay, we got that spurred some hands. Go ahead. Huh? When looking at earrings, it ties back to, I believe, is the bond servant, where the bond servant said, I want you to be my master. And he puts his ear against the... the doorpost and the all punctures through it and then we're told to shema to hear so then you have this breaking off of the earring is a picture of then casting off the torah because we're to hear and obey and when you cast it away so it's uh, when people enter into false worship they begin to lose their ability to hear so it all ties back into that that earring where it came from the all the hole in the ear and the shema and then Paul, and then Deborah, and John. Paul, Deborah, John. You know, the irony is that we use these expressions, oh, I see what you mean, <laughs> to see and understand words. And I was going to say the same thing to what Bob said about piercing the ear and the hearing. But here's a convolution of this because... They could not see Moshe, so therefore their hearing had gone dull. Yeah. Because they could not see him, their hearing had gone dull, so now they needed to have a God that they could see so that they could hear again. And there's an irony there. And let's take the same irony that Job, or Job used when he said that, I have heard of you, but when Yahweh came in the windstorm, he said, now I see. Yeah. Well, no, he didn't see him, literally, but now he could see what he meant because he got to be re God revealed more of himself to him the same way when Moshe said, who shall I tell them that sent me? And then he basically said, I will be what I will be because he will reveal himself to them as they go. Now, this is where it requires the faith of not being able to see with our physical eyes or maybe not being able to hear with our physical eyes. And we throw this word around, trust and faith, like it's candy. But when we're tested and they were being tested, then all of a sudden it requires a new level of saying, wait a minute, let's just wait. Good word. 
So I wanted to add on to what Ward said, uh, to bring, your, bring to your remembrance. He talked about that they wanted to bring the God down. So remember, they obviously knew that Elohims could come down because what does Yorevave do at Sinai? He comes down. He comes down to the mountain. And so you look at Babel and uh, you look at the, this word, it means the gate of gods, meaning this is a place where the gods come down to. The fallen angels, they came down to the daughters of men. So this coming down was something they understood. And so just kind of reminding us about what Ward said is wanting to bring the Elohims down to them because Moses had built an altar there at the foot of the mountain. It's, it's still there today. You can see it. Deborah. I just wanted to say, um, considering Raphael's uh, comments and Ward's comments, I was just thinking about how these people who were, they were afraid, they, you know, they were going through all that they were going through, and they, were, they, knew, they knew in their world that they grew up in um, the way to bring a god down, but it was a pagan way and it wasn't the right yes. way. And at the same time, Yahuwah is, is, is wanting to dwell with them. He's wanting and he's, he's giving Moses instructions on how that will happen. But the people went with their own wisdom yes. and their own understanding and decided to, to do things in the way that they understood from the world. Amen. Amen. Sign number two, not sign number one. Yes, John. So in 31.1, they ask, where, what has become of him? But it's yeah. about Moses. And then it's an interesting parallel. In 2 Peter 3.4, uh, it says about the last days and the children of Israel at Mount Sinai, it says in 2 Peter 3.4, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? Yes. For since the fathers fell asleep, yeah. all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. Yeah. It's also interesting, the creation is, at, what does he say at the end of the creation? That it's a, that it's a day of rest, the last day is the day of rest. So, Very good, that good word, awesome. Okay, Mike. Well, you guys got all Ooh, into that part. A lot of good comments here, but... Uh, I just wanted to add that these people, it's really no different than Christianity, which, or, or even us, as Paul says. But, uh, I mean, it happened when the last apostle died, it was already happening even yes. before that, yeah. that they were combining paganism with uh, worship of Yahweh. And even here, he says, he calls it a festival to Yahuwah, Hagle yeah. Yahuwah. Yep, that's right. So, yeah. you know, Christianity does the same thing today. And, uh, you know, they, we were all, most of us, I think, in Christianity, and we've been there, and we can see it. We just have to help them to see it. So you can follow the descendants of the northern kingdom by just watching that mixing of the two things all throughout history, moving its way down. Yes, Deborah. Uh, yeah, so Debbie and I were just having this conversation about <laughs> about revival versus teshuva. Yes. And what is real revival and what does it mean? And I, I just see it correlated. Everything I look at, and I've, I've been researching this revival thing for a while, probably should do a teaching on it, but everything that I see, revival, what happens is, is that you see this in the scriptures, 
the, in the Psalms, he talks about your word revives me. And so revival comes by the word uh, lifting us up, the word changing us, and, and the spirit doing the work that's united with the word, not separate and different, united with it uh, for his work and his purpose. But it brings us, it always, always, always brings us to the word, which is the word is what brings about change. The word brings about the true change, which we, a person that, that, that bears the fruit of repentance wants to do the, that, those things. He's not wanting to now, I'm going to break away from that yoke. He wants to change so he repents truly from his heart. He's sorry for what he's done because it's the, he's, what did they do when they saw the Torah for the first time? You know, Josiah, there's like, they, they, they tear their clothes. They're ashamed. They're, they're, they're disgraced. They can't believe that we've not been doing this. And it's the revelation of the word that now brings a revival of crashing down the altars, uh, sh- uh, destroying the, the, the Asherah poles, and bringing about a true revival of heartfelt desire to serve the Most High. That's what I see revival happening. Yes. <clears throat> Good word, brother. To, to kind of continue with that, it's like if, if we want to really, you know, know who the Father is <laughs> and know his ways, then, you know, what he was saying earlier about, you know, the indoctrination and just yes. the, the socialization. I, you know, when we first started going to a, it was, it was still, it was a Baptist church, but they were very um, uh, fundamental and they were homeschooling and it was the first exposure to like homeschooling. And, and I remember he was saying, oh, those homeschoolers, they're not socialized. Well, that's a good thing. <laughs> you, you know, in today's world, it, it really is yeah, because yeah. the public schools, especially now, yeah. is just so sick. And, and it's just, they're not teaching. I, I just read an article about like these fourth graders. None of them could even, you know, read. Right. You know, but they know all about gender orientation and all this nonsense, right? But we, we've allowed uh, so many uh, things to infiltrate the church to where the culture has has told the church this is what it's all about to be a Christian and rather than the church the body telling culture no this is what it means to serve a holy God you know and and your your opinion doesn't matter my opinion mm-hmm. doesn't matter what and you know what gets me is like we're reading about Aaron how he allowed this orchestrated it whatever his role was in in all of this but then you go to Leviticus and what and what did he do with his sons what did he allow his sons to do yeah yeah. You know, to present strange fire. I mean, yeah. it was just, he, he was just, in, you know, allowing the culture to tell him how he was going to proceed with the Word of God and how to, to play it out. You know, and, and we have adopted so many things in our culture. And, of course, we stepped away from the church and got away from Christmas and the rabbit holiday and, and all that garbage, <laughs> you know. And, and uh, you know, it's like, and I'll end with this. It's uh, somebody, a reporter asked... Um, uh, the Pope, I think it was Pope John Paul II back in the 80s, they said, well, what do you think of the Protestants? Because the Protestants think they're so much better than what the Catholics were doing. And the Pope said, well, do they go to church on Sunday? And he said, yeah. He goes, do they celebrate Christmas? Yeah. Do they celebrate Easter? Yeah. He goes, they're Catholic. They're just Catholic life. Uh-huh. You know? And what do you want to be? Do you want to be that or do you want to be a true which, follower which based sign, on the word? Which yeah. sign are what, they following? Yeah, yeah. amen. So uh, you're, you said what happened to you. So just like Josiah... When you saw the Torah, you abandoned all those other things that were not the right signs, and you came to the truth and wanted to... And I wanted to contrast Aaron with Phinehas, his grandson. So you see, Aaron, as you mentioned, didn't do anything about it. But what God is raising up today is a people like Phinehas, 
who will do something about it, who will go, come in and say, that's not going to happen here. No, I'm going to stand up. We're going to walk in the ways of the Most High. We're going to stand our ground. We're going to do what is holy and righteous in His eyes, not our eyes. Yes. And per revival, uh, it is Teshuva. But what is Teshuva? It's to return. And return where? Return yeah. to the land. Yeah. That's our bottom. That's where we're going. Yeah. And we have to get to that point. We're going to return to the land. Um, and then um, also, the bottom line is to remember the law of Moses. Yeah. And we yeah. could substitute that law. Remember yeah. the Torah of Moses. Which sign are you going to go to? Amen. Like Not it. the different sign. We're going to go to the right sign. Okay, okay, one more here, and I'm going to move forward. <laughs> hey, Otherwise, Rabbi, you guys are going to say I kept you too long. <laughs> yes. Rabbi, I just wanted to mention that if someone asks you if you're a Christian, you might want to reply, not according to Webster's Dictionary. It's a real, it's a real short thing, but the devil is a Christian, according to Webster's Dictionary, the interpretation they give. Huh, interesting. Okay. Hold on, Polly has a thought. Who did? Oh, okay, please, go ahead. Where's the, I didn't, I didn't see it, Alex, sorry. It's, it's the mic runners that are supposed to find. Oh, okay, sorry. In the book of Kings, every king of Israel is, sum is summed up in one sentence at the end of their life. He did good in the eyes of Yahuwah or he did evil in the eyes of Yahuwah. That's right. Amen. So we see how a culture can change even the smartest and most intelligent and people who have been in Torah their entire lives. So, I mean, this nation's never truly known his commandments. I mean, how easy yeah. would it be for the church yep. to lead astray? Yep. But Satan's yep. not after the yep. Catholic or the Protestant or what have you. Yep. He's after Messiah's own body because he's the ones he hasn't got yet. Yep. So that's a word of caution for everyone here and everyone watching online. That's why we need to pray and fast and do these things because we know that he's, a, he's after us more than he's after them. Yep. In, in whose eyes? Yes. <laughs> All right. Verse 6. So the next day they rose early and offered burnt offerings. They brought, here's that Shelemim, peace offerings to this image, that whatever they've, they've made here. And remember, this is a sacrifice of deliverance. They're saying that this thing delivered them, and it's the, thing, the, it's the sacrifice that's shared between the deity and the people. Now, can you imagine how offensive it is to God that he just redeemed them with, with mighty deeds, and they're going to do a peace offering with, to this thing and say, we want to have a fellowship offering with this thing. And we're going to call it the one that delivered us. Whoa. That is immensely offensive. And it says that they sat down to drink and they rose up to play. This word play, sachak, means to mock, to play. And in the Greek it says that it is to play like a child universally to play, to sport, to jest, to give way to hilarity by joking, singing, and dancing. What do you think they were jesting and joking about whenever they're saying, hey, this is the thing that delivered us. <laughs> it's what delivered us. We're going to have a meal and we want to fellowship with this thing. Yes. 
I think most people would read this and just shake their head like, how could they? How could they do this? But yet we have people celebrating Christmas and Easter, which is the exact same thing. Yep, yep. So my question is, along, it goes along with what you said, who were they sharing the meal with? What deity? Who institutes the tree? Who institutes the Easter? Who institutes the other festivals like the Northern Kingdom did? Who are they fellowshipping with? It cer cer certainly is not the true Elohim, yes. The one thing that it's interesting, um, Shalom or the peace offering, the base, to me, what I've come across, the, the core understanding is this completeness and wholeness. <laughs> All right, so in some sense, where's this Moses gone? No, it's complete and whole right in here. Yeah. We don't need Moses and whatever he's going to bring down. It's all good right now and continue. And in, in some aspects, that's the same thing. Is It's all done perfect with Messiah. We don't need anything that Moses has to give us. That's right. Yeah. Well said. Very good. Okay. And Yahweh said to Moshe, go down for your people whom you brought out of the land of Mitzrayim have corrupted themselves. In the Greek it says, your people have acted lawlessly. That's corrupt, to be lawless. They have turned aside from the way which I commanded them. They have made themselves a mold of cap and have bowed themselves to it and slaughtered the peace offering to it. It says, here is our Elohim who brought us out. So I want to read to you this. He says, you know, I can't believe I didn't put the, didn't put the uh, location, so sorry. It says in this, this is what the, the Lord God says. I am Yahuwah, that is my name. I will not give my glory to another. Are they giving glory to another? Nor my praise to graven images. Ooh. And that's what's happening. Is that, is that what's happening on any other thing that's being instituted and elevated? Yes. That's what's happening. Yahweh said to Moshe, I have seen this people. I see that they're stiff-necked. Make sure you don't walk around like this. <laughs> Let me alone that my wrath might burn against them, that I may consume them and make you a great nation. You need to remember that through his mercies that all of these millennia he has refrained from the destruction because he saw to today that a people were going to stand and follow. And he knew and all heaven is waiting. All heaven, the earth is waiting. They're waiting and waiting for a true righteous people to have hearts circumcised to follow and him only. And to see that the earth is seeing that today, you know that there's a rejoicing going on in heaven. Yes, amen, amen. Okay. Why should the Egypt, Egyptians speak and say, for evil he brought them out of the mountains to consume them? He says, turn from your wrath and pardon. The Greek word is helios, this evil from your people. Aren't you glad that he has a heart to pardon and forgive and cover it over. 
So this word in Greek, it says to stop the anger of your rage and be propitious at the wickedness of your people. Turn to, with me to the prophet portion of Isaiah 43. He says in Isaiah 43, 7, all those people sitting at Living Messiah and watching online are called by my name, whom I have created, formed, even made for my glory. He wants the people who are unlike the people here in our Torah portion that are wanting to do something other than what he said. He's looking for people that only want to do what he says. They only want to follow the Lamb. Only want to do what the Word says. Because you are my, here it is again, witnesses, declares Yahuwah, my servant whom I have chosen, so that you know and believe me and understand that I am he, because before me there was no L form, nor after me there is none. I I am Yahweh, and besides me there is no Savior. None. Hmm. The Hebrew word is Moshiach. There's no other Moshiach but me. It's kind of interesting because if you look at it word for word in the Hebrew, it, it, it almost says, I'm not saying it does, but it almost reads, I, even I, am not without Moshiach. Kind of an interesting way of looking at it, but you've been chosen. Verse 12 says, I declared and saved. I reproached, and there was no stranger among you. You're my witnesses. You're my testimony. I too am a witness, says Yahweh Elohim. 2 Timothy 1.8 says, Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony of our master. Verse 13, even from eternity, I am he, and there is none who can deliver out of my hand. I act. Who can reverse it? Who can change it? <laughs> Zero. That's who I want to be under. So thus says Yahweh, your Redeemer, the set-apart one. He's set apart, and he's making you set apart. For your sake I shall send to Babel, bring them all down as fugitives, even the Chaldeans who rejoice in their ships. I am Yahuwah, your set-apart one, the creator of who? Your king. Even though John says they wanted another, I'm your king if you'll take me as your king. I'm your king and I created you, Israel. O Ephraimites who sang that song today. <laughs> so thus says Yahweh who makes a way in the sea. And I love this. You're going to laugh. A path through the mighty waters who brings forth the chariot and horse, the army and the power. They lie down together. They do not rise. They have been extinguished. They have been quenched like a wick. See, I am doing what is new. Let it now spring forth. Do you not know it? I am even making a way in the deserts of Arizona and rivers in the deserts. Now, John believes that because he had a, is it 100 foot long? The swale, is it 100 foot? 
just how long? 600 feet. So he's dug a 600 foot, three feet deep, eight foot wide trench to catch that water that he says is coming. <laughs> That's faith. I believe it. He said it. I believe it. Amen. The beast of the wild or the field esteems me, the jackals and the ostriches, because I have given waters in the wilderness, rivers in the desert to give drink to who? Who's he bringing the water to? His people, the chosen ones. The ones that he has formed for himself. And what are we supposed to do? Give him praise. I should have put that song together today. So let's dig into the filling of the Holy Spirit, which happens in our Torah portion. So we got just if you bear with me, I know it's 5:05, but I want to go somewhere first. First Samuel 10:1 says, "Then Samuel took a flask of oil, poured it on Saul's head." kissed him and said, Is it not because Yahweh has anointed you leader over his inheritance? When you leave me today, you're going to find two men by Rachel's tomb in the border of Benjamin at Zetzah, and they shall, say to you, they shall say to you, excuse me, the donkeys which you went to look for have been found. And see, your father has left the matters of the donkeys and is worrying about you, saying, What shall I do for my son? You shall pass on from there and beyond and shall come to the terebinth tree of Tabor, and three men are going up to Elohim at Bethel, and they shall find you there, one bearing three young goats, another bearing three loaves of bread, and another bearing a skin of wine. They will greet you and will give you two loaves of bread. Now, I don't know about you, but there's only one feast in all of God's feasts that there's two loaves of bread being used. And this tells me that Saul is being anointed at Shavuot. Because at Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit comes, the people, the, 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 the Spirit's poured out, cloven tongues of fire, and the Spirit is poured out upon them. At Sinai, the King of Kings is coming to be king at Shavuot. He's coming to be king and giving them the present and gift of the Holy Spirit and the Torah at Shavuot. And so here, the people cried for a king other than him, and he's going to give it to them, but God has a time and a place that that king is going to be given and anointed. And I believe that this is a picture of Shavuot because they're, 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 they've got wine. They've got an animal they're going to slaughter. They've got, they're going to give him two loaves of bread. Now wait, that's not all. If we've got Holy Spirit coming at Exodus 20, when the Torah is given, we've got the Holy Spirit coming in Acts 2 on Shavuot when the Spirit falls. Watch what it says. And after that, go to the hill of Elohim. And this is a prophecy because it hasn't happened yet. Where the Philistine watch post is. And it shall be when you have come there to the city that you shall meet the group of prophets coming down from the high place with a stringed instrument, a tambourine and a flute, and a lyre before them, they're prophesying. What happens at Exodus 20? What happens over here in Acts 2? Both are prophesying. And the Spirit of Yahweh shall come upon you. 
You shall prophesy with them and you're going to be turned. You're going to be changed into a new man. Now, I don't know about you, but who wants the Spirit to come upon them? Who doesn't want to be a new man in his eyes to do the work of the kingdom? Now, Saul blew it, but Saul had a chance. Saul was given the opportunity, just like we're given the opportunity. But God wants to anoint the servants that are ready to serve. And it's coming. So is it a promise? Is it a promise that it's coming? Yes. yes. And look, Saul was coming behind the herd from the field, and Saul said, Where are, this is just a, a verse or two beyond this, Where are, why are the people weeping? And they related to him the words of the men of Yabesh. And the spirit of Elohim again came upon Saul mightily as he heard the words, and his displeasure burned greatly. He took a yoke of cattle, cut them in pieces, sent them throughout all the border of Israel by the hands of messengers, saying, Whoever does not go out with Saul and Shamuel, uh, Samuel to battle, let this be done to his cattle. And the fear of Yahuwah fell on the people, and they came out as one man. There's one other verse you need to see, and I'm going to give it to you now. He numbered them in Bezek, and the sons of Israel, the northern kingdom, was 300,000, and the sons of Judah was 30,000. Here, way before the kingdom splits, you're seeing the two, the two distinct groups of people being mentioned. Right here in Samuel. It's clear. The northern kingdom, Israel, is 300,000, and the men of Judah, the southern, is 30,000. What does that tell me and should tell you? If, if they've already numbered Judah and he's six, uh, 13 million worldwide, what do you think the number of you folks are going to be when that's numbered? Ten times? What is that? <laughs> oh, ooh, that's a lot of folks. <laughs> okay, we have a... When you're speaking of Judah, if we go all the way back to the Torah portion earlier, Exodus 31.1, and it calls out Bezalel in the shadow of God. And it says there that he was going to be filled with the Holy Spirit, but he said with wisdom, kokma, understanding, bina, and dayat, knowledge. Yes. It's a specific order. So he is taking the spiritual which was given to Moses. This is what we're to do. And bring it into the physical, into reality. Amen. But to do it, so he's taking the Torah, the wisdom of the Torah. He's building a house, the Bina, the <laughs> understanding. And bringing that Torah within him. Yes. And then from that building of that Torah and bringing it into him, he then can go into a knowledge. Because now he has this wisdom, he has this understanding, he has the knowledge to use this. Yes. But then it says, what does it say to do? So he can be in knowledge and in all manner of workmanship, Malaka. So that is to do the good works with what you just had the wisdom, understanding, and knowledge so that you can go out to others and to help them. And it says in Colossians 1.9, For this reason we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge, Deot, 
of his will, in all wisdom, kokma, in spiritual understanding, bina. Did you see my slides before? Now, you got to know something. We always talk, Rafi and I talked about a lot. When you see something duplicated between men, I mean, you can see that there's something that the Father wants to hear today. Just like, verily, verily, I say to you, there's something the Father wants to, to show us. So now we're going to go back to our Torah portion. And it's Exodus 31, 3. It says, I have filled him with the divine spirit of Elohim in wisdom, in knowledge, understanding and knowledge, and in all work. I mean, he pointed out work himself. I mean, I didn't do that. The word for filled is amele, to fill, to fill. We have chokmah, wisdom, ability, tavunah, understanding, intelligence, da'at, knowledge. My question to you is, do you want a filling of his spirit? For him to fill you, there's something that he wants to do with you when he fills you, and it's to do the work. It's not to just run around, look at me, I'm filled. That's not what the filling's for. The filling is to, to do a work in his kingdom. Amen. Psalm 81.10 says, I am Yahweh Elohim who brought you out of the land of Mitzrayim. Open your mouth wide and I will amale. It only appears two places in all of Torah. Here in Exodus 31.3 and here in Psalm 81.10. So you want to know what kind of filling that God does? Psalm 8110 is giving you a real good picture. All you people that are coming to me, Yodevave says, you're coming to him, get ready, open your mouth wide, because he's about ready. I'm looking at that, that Aquarius with two vials, and you're getting ready to get a good dousing in that mouth of a pouring out of his spirit to get ready to do the work of his kingdom. Amen. And it isn't just, it's, it's not this big. We're talking, we're talking an immense picture that will continue to flow. Amen. And he says, in the coastlands we'll wait expectantly for his Torah, in Isaiah 42, 4 and 5. Thus says Yahweh Elohim, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread out the earth and its offspring, who gives breath to the people on it, and spirit to those who walk in it. What's the it? Who walk in it? It's declared to you up just before, at the end of verse 4. And the coastlands will wait expectantly for his Torah. He's going to give the spirit to those who walk in it. Now, Polly will tell you that Acts chapter 5, verse 32 says that he gives the spirit to those who walk in the Torah, who obey. Huh? That's what it says. Yes, we have a hand. Uh, John and then... Uh, Mr. Gary. Gary. So did you mention this guy's from Uri? Or, say, or from uh, Judah? Say again? He's from Judah, the tribe of Judah. Uh, which one is the tribe of Judah? Uh, yes, I mentioned that okay. Bezalel is... Well, it says he, he's actually from a descendant of Caleb who's a non-Judite. Yeah. You know, Yeshua said he's the bread of life, and he said that 
this is my body, take it and eat. So you have to open your mouth wide. And uh, I think that applies. <laughs> okay, just wait until this kicks in. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Okay. <laughs> that's hilarious. All right. So this word work is the word melakha, and it's craftsmanship, work. And so malakha means work, but watch this. Business. Whose business? The Greek word also means work. And here's this word ergo in Matthew 5.16. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your work, the good work, and glorify your Father in heaven. I would say that the light shining is the Holy Spirit coming upon you that now lets you to do the work of the Most High. They're spelling it right out here for you in Matthew 5.16. Psalm 81.10, again I'll say to you, I am Yahweh Elohim who brought you out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide. I'm ready to fill it. So here's the key. We are to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom and it is to tell the message of the king. That's his work. That's his work. Proverbs 15.4 says, a tongue's healing is a tree of life, and he who keeps it will be filled with spirit. What's the tree of life? The Etz Chaim. We, we, every week, what is it? It's the Torah, right? Yes. Ephesians 2.10, for we are his workmanship, <laughs> created in Messiah Yeshua for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That's right. I found this in Sirach 39.1, and this is a person who's after his heart. Okay? He will seek out the wisdom of all the ancients. He will be occupied with prophecies. He will preserve the narrative of famous men, meaning of the kingdom of God. And he will penetrate into the twists of illustration, of illustri the twists of illustrations. He will seek out the obscurities of proverbs. He will be in, engaged with the riddles of these illustrations. He will serve among nobles. He will appear in front of rulers. He will travel in the land of foreign nations, for he has tested the good and bad things in people. He will devote his heart to rise early towards Yahuwah who made him. And he will petition in front of the Most High, and he will open his mouth in prayer, and concerning his sins, he will petition. I'm not done. If, Yah if, if the great Yahuwah wants, he will be filled with a spirit of understanding. He will pour forth words of his wisdom, and in prayer he will acknowledge Yahuwah. He will direct counsel and knowledge. And on his hidden things he will think. He will illuminate the instruction of his teaching. And in the Torah of Yahweh's covenant he will boast. Many will praise his understanding and it will never be blotted out. His memorial will not depart. 
and his name will live for generations of generations. Nations will narrate his wisdom, and an assembly will proclaim his praise. If he abides, he will leave behind a name greater than a thousand. And if he rests, it will be favorable for him. Wow. Are those some awesome words? Yes. So to go along with what you just said, uh, Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 14, And I looked and rose up and said to the nobles and to the deputy rulers and to the rest of the people, Do not be afraid of them. Remember the great and awesome Yahuwah and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your house. And it came to be when your enemies heard them that it was known to us that Elohim had brought them their counsel, not, and all of us returned to the wall and everyone to do his what? Amen. His work. His work. That's Amen. right. Amen. Would you stand with me? So I hope that this week's message has encouraged you, uplifted you in understanding what the work is, whose work it is, and how he accomplishes his work, and what the Spirit does, what the Spirit's goal is. The same as the Word, the Word's goal. is to transform and change a people that are holy to him that will do his work, his bidding, that will be a testimony and a witness and a light to the nations. So, Ephesians 5.18 Do not get drunk with wine, for that is a debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Master with your heart. The reason I say that, I want you to look. What does it say that the priests are coming down the mountain and doing? It says here in verse 5, You will meet a group of prophets coming down from the high place, with a stringed instrument, a tambourine, and a flute, and a lyre before them. What do you think they're doing with those instruments? They're, <laughs> they're, they're looking at it going, you know what, this is pretty stuff. This is really cool. Somebody did a really good job. No, they're playing. They're singing praise to God. What you guys were doing, this is what a priesthood does. And so... <laughs> Addressing one another in psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody to who? To the master with all your heart and all of your being. So in these verses, the Apostle Paul urges us to use singing as inspiration in our spiritual life. He warns his readers to seek motivation not through the body, but through the spirit, not by stimulating the flesh, but by exalting the soul and magnifying the Most High. Father, we thank you so much for the Word today. Oh, Father, you have inspired me this week. You have shown me what the goal of your Word and your Spirit is, whom you give it to, and what they are to do when they get it. There's only one work, and it's yours. Only one goal, to be a light to the nations, to be, a, as Paul said, a carbon copy of you as the Master was to walk as you walk, to love you the way that you want to be loved, and to love our neighbor the way you said they should be loved. And Father, may we be the people that have your spirit to do those things. 
not to boast in ourselves, but so that we might walk in your ways and do the work of your kingdom. We glorify you and praise you for showing us and teaching us today. In your son Yahushua's name, amen. Now we get to say, Shabbat Shalom! Thank you, everybody here. Have a blessed rest of your Shabbat. Shabbat Shalom.